Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you this morning again for your precious word. Father, it is inconceivable to think where we would be without your word. Your word guides us. Your word protects us. Your word provides for us. Your word is everything that we need or will ever need. So, Father, as we look to it this morning, help us to gain understanding, help us to gain revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, we've been using as our kind of our key verse, Second Peter, or First Peter, I'm sorry, 2.21, for this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. If you really stop and think about that, what that looks like, following in the steps of Jesus, that's a, that's a, it is a tall order. It's more than a tall order. It's impossible without him. And uh, have you ever noticed sometimes as, as we read, we read the word of God and, and uh, I think sometimes it's even really more uh, telling, I shouldn't say telling, but you know, we're, we're, we believe in confessing the word and we believe in speaking the word. But sometimes I think we can come to a place where we're, we're speaking the word without really stopping to think about what we're speaking. Or praying the word. And praying the word just because the words are there are not really stopping and really seeing and, and really understanding what you're speaking or what you're praying. When you pray with understanding, your prayers are more effective. They're more effectual. And I found, I found this out just not too long ago. Uh, as I was reading one day and praying the word. And as I was praying the word, man, all of a sudden the words just, there they were. And I thought, oh, wow. So I want us to look at a, at a portion of the scripture this morning that, that you've heard time and time again talked about here. But there is something in this that I saw and I began to put it into practice, really praying it from my spirit and not just praying it from here, but praying it from my spirit. So I want you to go with me to the book of Ephesians. And we, we talk a lot and, and, and we are taught a lot about uh, the Ephesians prayers and praying them and the value of them. And they are, if you're not praying these Ephesians prayers over yourself and over your family, you need to be. I'll say that again. If you're not praying these prayers, you need to be praying these prayers. And I, I do, I pray these prayers, I pray them over my family and I was praying one morning, 
And I mean, all of a sudden, it was like bells and whistles went off, and, 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 I, th and I, <laughs> I guess I finally saw what I was supposed to be seeing. And, and in Ephesians 3, this is, this is one of the prayers that Paul prayed over the Ephesian church. And we're going to start reading, we'll read the 17th and 18th, the 19th verse. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So I want to I talk to you, just, we're going to talk a little bit this morning about being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. The love of Christ only comes through us and to us from the settled presence of Christ in a believer's life. The love of Christ only comes through us through the presence of God in us. And we talk about, and we've, we've said this before, we've talked so much about the spirit of Christ that dwells in us. We like the power part. We really like that one. We like the presence part. But sometimes we, we forget that with the power of Christ dwelling through us and the presence of Christ dwelling in us means also that the love of Christ dwells in us. It's not just manifested to us. It's manifested through us. Love must become a dominant quality of our life. I'm going to say that again because it's, it's, a very, it's a very important thing to understand that love has to be a dominant force in our life. It has to be one of the dominant qualities of our life as a believer. Really, if you really stop and think about it, we can't do anything, and we, we, we've gone through this and we've read this back in 1 Corinthians 13 about how you can, you can have all the spiritual gifts that you can have. You can operate in the spiritual gift till the cows come home. You can be known as one who dwells and moves mightily in the, in the gifts of the Spirit. But if you don't have love, what did Paul say? It doesn't profit anything. You can know everything that there is to know. Everything. And Paul said, if you're not motivated, if you're not bounded in love, that doesn't mean a thing. Love has to be a dom the dominant quality in our life. I, I would say that we have to... We, we, we cannot get what we need out of this word without the love of Christ dwelling in us. We can't, we can't get in our prayer life what we need if the love of Christ is not dominant in us. 
It has to be the roots of our existence. It has to be the foundation on everything. It has to be the foundation that we build on. Well, the word says that we're supposed to build on the rock, which is Jesus. Well, if you're, if you're, if you're building on that, you're building on love. Because go back. Look at his life. Look at his time here on earth. There was nothing about his time on earth that wasn't love. Even when he spoke the way he spoke to the scribes and the Pharisees, I think sometimes we get this, this picture of him just railing on these guys. Just, but you know what? It was based because he loved them. And he knew they were blind. And he knew what he was trying to bring them out of. Everything Jesus did was motivated by love. What did he say? I don't do anything unless, unless the Father tells me to do it. I don't do anything. So he was catching and he was getting all of his, his divine information and his divine impartation was coming from the Father. And it was the Father's love. It was God's love, the love he had for us that he was trying to and wanting to impart through Jesus in the coming of the kingdom. It has to be a part of such love in your life only comes from the divine love that is given to you. The only way you can get this love is if it has been given to you, and it has been given to you. Don't you ever think that God has passed you by. I'm going to say it again. Don't you ever think that God has passed you by or he hasn't given you the love that you need. He told Peter, he said, God has given us everything, everything that, that has to do with life and godliness, God's given to us. There is nothing we lack. God did not leave any loopholes. He didn't leave any loopholes in us and for us. He covered everything. A guy named uh, W. Graham's Scroggy said this, love is the soil in which our life must have its root. It is the rock upon which our faith, faith must ever rest. That's good. Pastor Sean, just a couple uh, Wednesday nights ago, was talking about the foundation, building on the foundation. What, what's your foundation? What are you building on? If you don't have a proper foundation, I know we're, we're, we're pounding this home, but it's because this is, listen, when God's, God's taken us to a greater measure, and so if he's taken us to a greater measure, we have to understand this more and more and more. We cannot build on things. We cannot build on, on anything that is outside the word and the love of God. You can't base your life on religious experience. You can't. You can't base your life on, 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 on some spiritual buzz that you got on a Sunday morning. You can't. Because those experiences come Monday morning, that experience is going to be in the past, and you're going to have to, you're going to, have to deal with what's going on today. And I'll guarantee you, as long as you have those times, mark it down. 
The enemy's going to come and he's going to try to do everything he can to snatch that away from you. So you can't base on experience. You can't base, you have to be founded. There has to be a foundation that you are built on that nothing rocks. Can you imagine having being in a, in a place in Christ where you can say, like Paul said, none of these things move me. <laughs> Listen, that's what he said. None of these things move me. And he was, they were telling him what was coming, and it was not pretty. He said, none of these things move me. Why? Because Paul was rooted, and he was grounded on a foundation and he had built his life and he had allowed his life to be built on something that nothing was going to shake. You could come to a place where you are so rooted and grounded in love. <laughs> it doesn't matter what anybody says to you. It doesn't matter what anybody does to you. You're not shaken by it. <laughs> Kathy asked me the other day, we were talking about something. And she said, a situation we were, and she said, well, are you holding on to anything with this? I said, no. I said, I don't have time for that. I don't, I don't, I don't have time to hang on to this stuff. There, there's, there's no reason to hang on to it. Because my foundation goes deeper than that thing. My foundation, I am rooted in something that is greater than anything anybody can try to do to me or say to me on this earth. Ooh, you're quiet this morning. <sighs> Paul didn't pray and say, I'm praying for you that you preach better. He didn't pray for them and say, I'm praying for you that you just have a bigger church. He didn't say, I'm praying for you that you have more run around the church services. He said, I'm not praying for you that you obtain some spiritual height. He said, I'm praying for you that you become rooted and grounded in love. Because if you are rooted and grounded in love, then all these other things you're going to take in stride. Those are, those are byproducts, the fruit, if we could say, of being rooted and grounded in love. Let's look at... at these two words, rooted, rooted and grounded. Rooted actually means rooted. <laughs> Hello. It means to take root, to strengthen with roots. The word figuratively means to become stable to render firm, to fix, to be firmly established, to be strengthened with spiritual roots, 
to be firmly fixed with a focus upon the source of strength. It's an, it emphasizes depth as opposed to superficiality. Kathy showed me something the other day. And they found under um, Devil's Tower. Y'all been there? You been to Devil's Tower? I think big. But they actually found a petrified root system underneath Devil's Tower. So all I can think of is that thing was a tree at one time. But what kept that tree, even, even in a petrified stage, from falling over, from crumbling? They say this root system is absolutely massive. Figuratively, it means that you're, you're, you've got Depth instead of superficiality. Remember when Jesus told the parable of the sower? One of the, one of the ways the enemy was able to take the word because it was in a place where it couldn't find root. And it says that it withered and it died because it could not get roots. And it could not get rooted down. There is nothing more aggravating than to plant something, and because you didn't, you didn't do the root system right, the goofy thing doesn't grow. When we lived out Roundup Way, that's some of the hardest ground I've ever seen in my life. And those plants would go really good down to about a foot. But then those roots would get to that place of where they could not grow. And that was it. Same way with us. Same way as Jesus said with the word. If it's not, if it doesn't get into the right soil, the root system cannot grow like it needs to grow. Consequently, the plant doesn't make it. Because it has no roots. The word grounded, it's amazing. He, Paul was using a agricultural and an engineering example here about, about being secure. Grounded, the word means describing that which, which lies beneath the foundation, something secure and permanent in itself. Now, I get that again. Something that is secure and permanent in itself. It means to ground securely, deeply and firmly founded, like a building rising higher and higher. The picture conveyed is that of a house which is so firmly fixed on a foundation that it is not moved by winds or floods or figuratively by the stormy waves of suffering or the loud howling roar of our adversary, the devil. Wow, what a place to be in. I remember somebody telling a story one time of Charles uh, Finney. Great, he was a, uh, one of the uh, great ministers in, in the 
second great awakening, I believe. And, and this guy ministry, I, how many of you have ever heard of Charles Finney? The guy's ministry was phenomenal. This guy had so much of the power and presence of God on him that one time he walked into a factory to, to tour the factory. And he's walking by people and they're hitting their knees and starting. They had to shut down the factory and he had to preach a message so that people could get saved. That's the kind, this is the type of ministry he had. It said one night that he woke up in his biography, Power from on High. And he rolled over, and there was a devil sitting in a chair by his, in his room. And Charles Finney, he's so rooted, he just rolled over and he goes, oh, it's you. And rolled over and went back to sleep. Now, I, I, listen, I, I, I'm tell, I say that because we can become so rooted and grounded in love that there's nothing that the enemy can say or do to us that has any effect on us. Nothing the enemy throws at us sticks. It's like we're made out of spiritual Teflon. Nothing sticks. Wouldn't you like to be in a place where you absolutely frustrate him to no end because everything he tries does not work? You can, you can be such a thorn in his side. I remember, got to hurry, just a few years before uh, my dad died, passed away, we had to go over, they, I had to go over, my brother called me, and he said, you got to come and help me, man. He said, mom's fallen twice during the night, and, and there's nobody there, and they had somebody there during the day to come in the house, but there was nobody there at night. So... He said, I'm trying to give him some options, and Dad's throwing a fit. And so I, I, went, I went and talked and went over there, and we took him through some places. And it was a big adjustment for them. And my dad was just sure. I mean, he's it's, it's a fiery man of God. Now, he was just sure we were going to stick him in some home place and forget about him. <laughs> and I told him, I said, Dad, when we leave here today... You're leaving with us. And so we took him to some places and, and showed him some places. And uh, went home that night. And I was staying in the, in the house with them, right, right by my brothers. And uh, they loved Jimmy Swagger, loved his preaching. And so they would watch his program because they couldn't get out anymore and go to church. And <laughs> so... It was, I think, his grandson that was preaching that, that night. And the title of his message was, God's Got This. And so I'm listening to this message with Mom and Dad. And Dad, he's kind of sitting in his chair behind me, and Mom's over here while I'm watching it. It's all over. I look over there, and, and Mom's sitting here like this. <laughs> and Dad's sitting behind me, and all of a sudden I hear, Hallelujah. 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 And he started praying. And I got up and I went behind so I could watch. 
And this, now, now you're talking to a guy that's probably 90 years old, 80, 89 years old. And guys, I mean, it was like 50 years and the spirit fell off that man. And he began to pray like that, that fiery 30, 40-year-old preacher that I heard. And I remember, and he prayed for 15 or 20 minutes. And I mean, he was getting with the program. But see, they were rooted. They were grounded. So much that nothing could, nothing could move them. Even though they had those moments of, 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 of being human, what they were in the spirit went beyond that. We have to be grounded. We have to be rooted. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says this. I want to read it to you. Uh, Out of the Lightfoot translation. It says, I entreat you, therefore, not to abandon the Christ as you have learnt from Epaphus, you know him, even Jesus the Lord, but to continue to walk in them as you have done so far. I want you to be firmly rooted once and for all in him. I desire to see you built up higher and higher by him day by day, to see you growing even stronger and stronger through your faith, while you remain true to the lessons you have been taught, so that you may abound in it, and thus abounding may pour out your heart in gratitude to God, the giver of everything. It says in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the New King James, it says, it says it this way. So you have, we, what I'm trying to, to lay down is the, found, is the idea that God wants us rooted. God wants us grounded. He wants us grounded in his love. He wants us grounded so much in his love that nothing moves us. Nothing shakes us. We don't come against anything that overcomes us. We don't come against any wrong done to us that can overcome us. We don't get caught up in that. We don't get caught up in, in the bitterness. We don't get caught up in the anger. We don't get caught up in, in, the, in the, the desire for retribution. We don't get caught up in that stuff because, number one, we don't have time for it. Well, some of you agree with me anyway. <laughs> Folks, we don't have time for this. There's too many people out there that are caught in, up in addictions that need Jesus. There are too many people up there messed up in their heads and in their minds that need Jesus. There are too many people out there that are walking around with no hope that need Jesus. How can we minister to them? How can we speak to them about the goodness of God and the delivering power of God if we're not even experiencing it in our own lives? How can we tell them that, he, that they can overcome what they need to overcome if we can't overcome some piddly little offense that's been done to us? Well, you don't know what's been done to me. It doesn't matter. Well, you don't know, you don't know how much I've had to go through. You don't know much, how much I've had to... I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. 
You don't know how bad I've been hurt. You don't know. You don't know. Listen. Try telling that to Adrian Adoniram Judson, the first missionary to Burma. He and his wife were married for two weeks before they boarded a ship and bounded for India, which they eventually were able to make their way to Burma. He would spend the next 40 years of his life living among a witness in the Burmese people, and he was put in prison and tortured for Christ. Try telling him. Try telling Hudson Taylor, the founder of the China Inland Mission, who walked away from being a doctor, a very successful doctor, and went to be start and found the China Inland Mission for 50, 60 years. Faced sickness, lost with the spirit of unshaken trust. Try telling him that you're going through a lot. I, could, I, got, a, I got a list of them here. John and Betty Stam, young missionaries to China. They were taken captive and brutally murdered by a, uh, by a mob. J.W. Tucker, an Assembly of God missionary. Him and his wife were taken captive by rebels. He was tortured and killed and thrown into the, the crocodile-infested river. Try telling him that. Try telling Bendy, Billy Sunday, who gave up career as a professional baseball player, to be a preacher of the gospel. Try telling John G. Lake, who was a successful businessman and left it all to go be a missionary. Try telling that to Victor Plymeyer, one of my heroes, the first white man to cross the nation of Tibet with the gospel preached for three years before he ever saw a convert. Buried his wife and his son within a week of each other from smallpox. Had to bury them in the same casket because he could not get anybody to sell him enough wood to make two caskets or to buy him enough, give him enough ground to where he could bury two caskets in. Try talking to him about suffering. I could go on and on. But see, these people could do this because they were rooted and grounded in love. They were like Paul, who said, the love of Christ constrains me to do this. The love of Christ constrains me to do this. I'm so rooted and grounded in love that that's all I can think about. I'm going to tell you, this, this has changed my life. Studying this out has changed my life. I don't think the way I used to think. I don't see things the way, I don't see people the way I used to see. I don't, I don't see situations the way I used to see them. Because I'm doing my best to learn. Father, I've got to, I can't just preach this. It's got to be alive in me. Or else all the preaching in the world is not going to do me any good. So we have to be rooted and grounded in this. If you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, love will be manifesting itself obviously in your life. 
If you are walking in Galatians, go to book, the book of Galatians 5, 22. You'll read the fruit of the Spirit. What's the first fruit of the Spirit that he mentions? Love. If you are walking in that, people aren't going to have to ask you about it. People are not going to have to ask you. They're going to see it. It's going to manifest itself. Love is to be the foundation on which our life is built. One might say that our love is to be both a radical and fundamental change in our nature and our experience. To be rooted and grounded in love is to be established in love as a way of life. I must say that again. To be rooted and grounded in love is to be established in love as a way of life. The life of love is a life of kindness, selfless, brokenness, meekness. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. You can read exactly what a love of life looks like. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't take thought of any wrong done to it. It doesn't rejoice when it sees bad things happen in other people's lives. It doesn't rejoice in wrongs done. It suffers long. It endures long. If you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, love will be manifesting itself obviously in your life. Conversely, if you are not growing in the demonstrable love of God, and others, it will simply indicate that you're not walking in the Spirit. Come on. Hang with me. I can't, I can't put it any other way to you. You either are or you aren't. Walking in love is not some intermittent thing that we decide to do on a on a singular basis. Well, I love this one because they talk nice about me. I love this one because they do good things for me or they do this. But this other Yehu that, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You know, you actually come to a place where you find yourself when you see things that before just irritate you to no end, you start seeing things and you start looking through the eyes of Christ and you start seeing people through the eyes of Christ and it changes your whole outlook about how you see people, how you relate to people, how you react to people. If you're walking in the path, at the heart of loving God and others is a dying to self, and we've talked about this. And none of us dies to self without a lifelong struggle. <laughs> none of us gets this done. It's a lifelong struggle. Jesus said this. He said, unless a grain of wheat 
falls into the ground and dies. It saves just one seed. But if it dies, if that seed dies, it brings a harvest forth. I don't know about you, but I want harvest out of my life. I want Jesus to get harvest. Folks, the whole idea and the whole reason we are here is to build the kingdom of God. The whole reason for our existence is to build the kingdom of God. It's not about what happens to me. It's not about what I have to endure. It's not about how people treat me. It's about how I go about letting Christ build his kingdom through me. How I let Christ build his kingdom through me. Funny thing about it, and if you go through all the scientific thing about a seed, the exterior of that seed is what dies. It rots so that what's life-giving inside it can break forth. That's the way our lives are supposed to work. What dies, what, 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 what can die needs to die so that what's inside can bring forth harvest. Well, whether you believe it or not, this is good. Paul goes on, and I got to hurry. Got just a couple minutes left, so I'm going to make this real quick. I thought I wasn't going to have enough notes, and I, <laughs> I haven't even got through them. So, but he says in verse 18 too that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. This word "comprehend" means literally to take, to take eagerly, or to seize. And thus to make something one's own or to hold it as one's own. So Paul said, get a hold of this. Make it your own. It's possible to understand something and really not make it your own. Paul's concern was that we lay hold of the vast expanses of the love of God. He wanted the Ephesian church when he was sent this letter to them. He wanted them to live in the fullest dimension of the nature and the love of God. He wanted them to operate out of the fullest dimension. It's not a prayer that we might love Christ more, although we should. Rather, Paul is praying that we might get a better grasp on Christ's immense love for us and allow it to manifest through us. Paul is praying that we who already know Christ's great love might come to experience and manifest it at even deepening more deep levels. We talked last week about Philemon and how Paul's purpose in coming to Philemon for Onesimus wasn't just to get Onesimus loose. But Paul was trying to get Philemon to walk in promotion. He was saying, God wants to promote you, Philemon. God wants to take you to the next level. But in order to do it, you're going to have to walk in a greater measure of agape. Any love that is merely theoretical has not been forged in the fires of real life relationships. And it's not tested. 
<laughs> I'm going to say that again. That was good. Any love that is merely theoretical and has not been forged in the fires of real life relationships is not tested. Genuine love must be worked out with people. I did construction for 30-some years, worked as a, a superintendent for a lot of those years, and then my, had my own business. I always told people, construction would be a great business if you didn't have to work with people. <laughs> if you didn't have to deal with people. Sales, same way. It'd be great if you didn't have to deal with people. Look at this. Paul said... I want to move on. Got to get to the last part of this. Verse 19. To know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge. To know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge. A.W. Pink said this, there is no growth in the Christian life apart from knowledge. But if you acquire knowledge without love, you only feed pride. As you take from a fountain, still more comes. As a spring does not keep its water to itself, so love keeps nothing to itself. But it flows out for the use and benefit of others. Love is selfless. Its very nature is to give, seeking to promote the glory of God and the good of man. Paul was not praying, and I'll stop with this. Paul wasn't praying that they would love him. He doesn't even pray that they would love each other. He doesn't even pray that they would love Jesus more. That's not what he prayed. He didn't even, he, but he did pray this. He prays for abounding love. In this he is not praying concerning the objects of their affection. He is praying concerning their character. And simply put, Paul was saying this, I am praying that you might be more loving and that more and more you might be characterized by love. Paul recognizes the presence of love. He is not praying that they might begin to love. He's praying that their love would abound. You don't move from knowledge to love to practical application. You don't just manifest love. You live it. Father, thank you for your word this morning. We love you. Father, be with us as we go into the service this morning. Father, let your power, your presence be felt. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 